Swamiji, there are so many problems that beset the world today. What is your view of the root cause of all these situations? Well, the <clears throat> root cause of the economic one, I think, is simply greed. People are all in it for themselves. I tried to watch a movie the other day called Margin Call. I couldn't look at it more than a few moments of it. People were so mean and thinking, me, me, me. Everybody thinking that way means fighting on all fronts. Of course it goes into other fields, but greed is the main, monetary greed, avarice, is the main cause, I think. And what can we do? Well, I have created a community where people don't think that way. They think first in terms of service. I, I remember I was in... Um, uh, a town called Taormina in Sicily a few years ago and I wanted to buy a hat because the sun was hot and let's face it my head is not as covered as it used to be <laughs> and uh, so I asked this girl this woman in the store which hat do people like I don't know they just come in pay me get take their hat and leave I don't care it's the last of it as far as I'm concerned I said here you sit taking in money, you have a chance to make friends, and all you do is take in money and go home and watch TV and probably grumble and go to have dinner and go to bed. What kind of a life is that? You have a golden opportunity here to make friends. And I'd left there, and I thought I'd never see her again. And uh, I came by the next year. I went to Taormina, and she happened to be in the street. I wasn't going to go in there. But she happened to be in the street, and she came over and kissed me on both cheeks before I could get my guard up and said, thank you, you've changed my life. We need to think in terms of the pleasure of, being, of helping other people, serving people, sharing with people. We're not in this world alone. Why not make friends? And we can make friends if we share what we have with others. The attitude of the a person who's just taking for himself, it makes him unhappy, it makes other people avoid him, and it does not lead to world peace, it leads to world war. So I think we're headed to a very great economic depression, much worse than the 1930s. That's what my guru predicted. And I think the best cure for that is small, intentional, cooperative communities. I've started several, and I think this idea, as he said, it will spread like wildfire. People will begin to understand that you can't get uh, your help from the big government, big things. They're always out for themselves. Big government is out for itself. Okay, big government, it's getting bigger and bigger. Since the days of um, Franklin Roosevelt, he supposedly took us out of the Great Depression. I don't think he did. I think that it was the war that took us out. I think he just shoved it off. He, the government paid, but then who pays the government? Okay, you get a big government and it can help people. Who's going to support the big government? The government can't take that much in taxes to pay for these people. Therefore, it inflates. And when there's inflation, the first people they pay are the government workers. I think it was in the um, 
I forget which department, one, the transportation department perhaps, several years ago had only one employee earning 170000 a year, which is a lot. Now it's something like 10000 I mean, the number, the amount that they pay those government workers is huge. And what does it mean? Each government worker, Parkinson did a marvelous book in his Parkinson's Law, where he said that everybody wants position, therefore everybody wants support. And he's not going to support, he's not going to appoint only one secretary, because that secretary will be his rival. He has to appoint two. And so government keeps proliferating. Right now, there are 16, 16% of the entire workforce works for the government. In effect, that means 32% because the, uh, all, most of them are married. And that means 32% will vote for a continued big government. It's not a situation that's going to go away. Right now, in January of this year, 2012, the government exceeded the gross national income. Um, Its present present indebtedness is 15 trillion. This is a hope for a country like this. The solution cannot be found in bigness. So I say if you can't fly over the bridge, fly under it. And we can create small communities where people can be self-sufficient, grow their own food, have their own water, build their own homes, and have job and church and school and everything right in one place. Get out of the system and you can be a little bit, have a little sanity. And I've done those. The oldest Ananda community is now in its 44th year. That's enough to say that we've proved our point. And probably if people lived globally the way people in your communities live, there wouldn't be the environmental ills that there are. There wouldn't be. Now, let's face it, not many people are going to do that. What will change? Habits are a difficult thing to change. Examples will help many people, those who are ready. The rest, I think, will be, let's face it, nuclear weapons, death of many different kinds, starvation. Uh, We're going to have to see a new generation before this thing really works, but it will come up. Swami, it seems like we've sort of hit the point of a viral disease or a cancer that's kind of accelerating with this. I think so. And it's, is it going to cause the, the destruction of humanity altogether? Not of humanity, but I think a large percentage of humanity will go, mind you, we live in a kind of concentration camp as it is. Every hundred years there's a complete turnaround, virtual turnaround of the entire populace. We don't see it as a horror story because people pop off one by one, (laughs) but it happens. And I think that, no, there will not be an end, but there will be a change. And these New, I saw, uh, you know, in business, they say that if a person owns 5% of a company, he has virtual control of the company. 5%. Why? Because the others, they're not active voters, or they cancel each other out. 
And so anybody with just 5% clock, so the small amount of people that will start cooperative communities, they're at least doing something. Mm -hmm. And people will notice their effect will be far greater than their numerical um, input will seem. It will change the world. I think people in, in, I think we're coming to a golden age compared to now. But it will take some doing, I'm afraid. Swami, um, the difficult times and the destruction that's likely to come soon, is it useful to think in terms of surviving that? Is it going to be a worse, uh, worse to survive than to, to be killed or be... I think we should not think in terms of ourselves. Yogananda said, he was my guru, he said that uh, um, those who believe in God will be saved. How saved? I can't say. Everybody who believes in God will surely, they won't all live, but the significant number will live. I'll, I'd like to mention that in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they dropped the first atom bombs there. There were two religious communities there, a Jesuit and a San Francisco, one in San Franciscan, one in one city, one in the other. They were not far from the epicenter of that bomb, and yet they were saved, untouched. So if you believe in God, if you love God, it's not enough to believe in him, but if you love God and are seeking him sincerely, he will protect you. And I think that people will be protected in this holocaust that we're likely to see and we'll see a new age come up from that. Swamiji, do you believe that the consciousness, the general consciousness of humanity is rising? Well, they say there's an ancient tradition in India that the whole planet goes through cosmic influences that influence mankind to become more aware and less aware. And during the lesser aware period, people think only in terms of solid matter. In the more aware periods, people become aware of matter as being really made of energy. Then they become aware that time is uh, really only an illusion. Space is an illusion, time is an illusion. So they go through different levels of refinement. We have now come in the year 1900 according to my guru's guru, Swami Sirukteshwar, into the new Dwapara Yuga, or age of energy, when people will discover the illusion of space. And uh, in this age, we're having to fight against the solid downward pull of the old dark age known as Kali Yuga. Kali means black. And the struggle between these two is what I think is bringing us to the brink of what will look like disaster. It will be near disaster. I remember my guru one time in church pausing in the middle of a sermon to suddenly declare, you don't know what a terrible cataclysm is coming. Well, cataclysm is no small word. It means something not even man-made. But he said we will survive that. People talk about this year, uh, 2012, as being a year of destruction and so on. I don't know. 
But I do know that something is coming up. Something's in the wind. Swamiji, do you see the upcoming catastrophe or whatever it is as necessary? It wouldn't be necessary if everybody would turn to God and turn to truth. It is necessary in practical terms because very few people are turning to God. I have to say more people are turning to him now than when I was lecturing 60-something years ago. But it is true that most people are becoming very materialistic. They will have to learn. Mankind cannot be allowed to continue wallowing in the mud. And God will take him out of that mud puddle. And the process won't be pleasant at first, but in the long run, it will be for our enlightenment and happiness. So don't be afraid.